Welcome to another episode of The Brand Called You, a podcast and podcast show that brings you leadership lessons, knowledge, experience, and wisdom from thousands of successful individuals from around the world. I am your host, Ashutosh Garg, and today I'm privileged to welcome a very accomplished author and a poet from New York, USA, Martine Bellin. Martine, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you. Martine is an author of 10 books. Her most recent one is An Anatomy of Curiosity. Uh, we'll talk about her book. Her poetry has been translated into Chinese, German, and Italian, among other languages. And she's been awarded, recognized, and felicitated several times. So, Martin, before we talk about your writing, tell me a little bit about your own journey in brief. Okay. Um, well, um, my journey is very circuitous. Mm -hmm. uh, I've, I've worn a lot of hats in my life. Um, words have always captivated me. Mm -hmm. And I started writing when I was very young. And uh, I took writing workshops in high school and, uh, and in college, but I never considered that I could be a poet. Um, I didn't know any person, poets personally. My teachers didn't seem anything like me. They were all scholarly men. And I'm not scholarly, not a man. Mm -hmm. um, this was in the late 70s and 80s. Mm -hmm. Things definitely have changed. And um, I pursued experimental theater. And I dropped out of college. I started a theater company with a friend of mine. And then we joined another theater company. And then I went into modeling mm -hmm. and I modeled in New York City. And then I went to Europe mm -hmm. and I found myself in the field of fashion, mm -hmm. which I wasn't passionate about. Mm -hmm. And uh, throughout this time, I did take writing workshops and continued writing on my own. And uh, when I was 27 years old, um, mm -hmm. I decided that it was time for me to stop flittering around mm -hmm. and I needed to do what was in my heart. Right. And I went back to school. I got my undergraduate degree. I wanted to teach in college. So I, and also I wanted more time to write and to learn about writing. Mm -hmm. I, I got my graduate degree in, in poetry and, um, and I worked as a, a, as an educator in college and, um, as a book editor. Um, and, uh, and I started writing Amazing, amazing. as a professional poet. Amazing. So, you know, I've spoken to many authors, but very, very few poets. Uh, what inspired you to start writing poetry? And how would you describe your own writing style? Mm. Well, my ear has always been attuned to the sound of words, and I've always delighted in words. Mm -hmm. um, from the time, I, as I said, I started writing when I was very young. My first story, I dictated to my older sister. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, so, for instance, repetition has always been important to me. And my mom would um, tell me stories in order to get me to do things when I was young, like to dress or to eat, to brush my hair. Mm -hmm. And... Um, and if she told the story, if she used different words, if she didn't use exactly the same words, I would get very upset. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, from the beginning, I loved alliterative jingles and tongue twisters. And I saw also when I tell my friends stories, the importance of word choice. Um, so uh, I really saw the magic in language and I mm -hmm. loved it. 
and my my writing style is lyrical. Mm. I pay attention to assonance and consonance and and uh, repetition of words. I'm drawn to the music of language and then how that music and content or meaning drive one another. Mm. Wonderful. And are there any specific themes or subjects that you often explore in your writing? Well, a theme I often investigate is identity and the stories and myths that we create in order to explain ourselves. Mm -hmm. So I incorporate a lot of mythology and fairy tale in my work, mm -hmm. uh, as these are the oldest shared community stories. Mm -hmm. um, and presently, I'm working on a poem, on an extended poem that investigates what home means. Mm -hmm. Wow. In this in this world of, of so, so much migration. Mm -hmm. And Martin, what role does language and its nuances play in your poetry. And I, you, you did mention you love repetition. Right. Yeah, language is the material of my art, and it is nuanced. Um, it can't help but be nuanced in terms of context, in terms of personal context and social context. Right. So I think of language as a central character in my poems. Mm. Amazing. And uh, have you ever experimented with different forms or style of poetry? And if so, how was the experience? Yeah, I, um, I form is extremely important to me. And um, I, I've worked with, um, you know, different forms, but uh, particularly the right, right now, I'm working on creating forms and content at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm, experimenting with different forms within that content. Right now I'm doing a lot of collage work. So collage is the form. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And uh, would you be able to share some of your favorite poets or authors who may have influenced your writing? Yes, uh, definitely. So again, as I said, um, I've been working a lot with collage lately and a, a poet who was a teacher of mine at um, graduate school at Brown University um, is C.D. Wright. And C.D. Wright has done uh, some, she had written some amazing collage books, mm -hmm. one with others, which describes a, a violent incident that occurred during the civil rights movement in Arkansas, and also a beautiful book that she collaborated on with Deborah Luster. It's called One Big Self, and it's inspired by visits to the Louisiana state prisons, mm -hmm. and there are photographs uh, that Deborah Luster did along with CD's work. And mm -hmm. CD incorporates uh, a lot of different types of materials like oral histories and lists and games and the weather and just so mm -hmm. much more. Mm -hmm. And she's uh, she's taught me a lot about how to have different textures in my work. And then Emily Dickinson, mm -hmm. um, and you asked about nuance of language and um, nuance is central to this. Uh, Dickinson's work. Mm -hmm. uh, her her family uh, uh, was a friend of Noah Webster, and the Noah Webster's dictionary was right beside her when she worked. And mm -hmm. so, uh, the richness of the words, each word, is something that I aspire to. Mm -hmm. And uh, and also her work is so visual, and that also the visual, the visual um, aspect of poetry and the white space and mm -hmm. the lines and. Uh, how a word is placed on the page is very important to me. Right. And then finally, HD. Um, and HD uh, wrote uh, a book called Trilogy and mm -hmm. uh, the first poem, A Tribute to Angels. 
um, and uh, HD uh, investigated polarities and the intersection of mythology and contemporary life. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I do also in my poems. Mm, interesting. Mm. And would you be able to share any memorable experiences or an incident that has shaped your writing career? Yes. When I first went to co uh, college, um, before I dropped out, I went to a college called Bard College, and it was it's in uh, New York State. It's a beautiful, uh, on a beautiful, beautiful campus. Mm -hmm. And I studied poetry with um, Robert Kelly, and he brought in the poet Jackson McClough, um, and he gave a reading in this small church, kind of in the center of campus, but there weren't very many buildings in the campus and it was just a beautiful spring day. And Jackson McClough read uh, his, from his light poem series. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's a project that he started when he was 30 years old and he continued until he was 66. Wow. And that day, the doors and the windows of the church were open and the church was overflowing with people who were quietly listening. And you could hear the birds mm -hmm. in the spaces of Jackson's poetry. Mm -hmm. And I saw or heard how poetry is more than words. Also, it's all the silences around the words. Mm -hmm. And his poetry really collaborated with the moment. And I had been doing a lot of theater at that point. Mm -hmm. And his poetry reading really, I saw it as a theater piece. It was really the beginning for me of the connection between theater and poetry mm -hmm. um and maybe at that point i was moving a little bit more toward the idea that i could do poetry mm, wow and i mean, incredible martin you when I, was, when I was reading about you to prepare for our conversation um, i also read that you have collaborated with other poets mm. uh, how did these collaborations work and how did they influence your work well i collaborate i collaborated i one collaboration i did was with the poets um, Elaine Equi and Melanie Nielsen. We did uh, we wrote a renga together, mm -hmm. and this uh, a renga is um, a renga is a Japanese form from uh, the twelfth century, mm -hmm. and uh, it was so much fun. This was a while back and uh, before before email actually, and so um, we we uh, a renga ha has a three line stanza and then two line stanza with a specific mm -hmm. uh, syllable count. And so we discussed what we were going to do. Mm. And then uh, and then we did it and we would send our Ranga. So the last line of a Ranga connects to the first line of the of the next stanza. Mm. And so we would send our Ranga to one another um, by any any means we wanted. So sometimes we would leave a voicemail with the with the with the with the mm -hmm. lines. We'd send in a letter. Mm -hmm. um, how else did we get it to each other? I don't know. We if we saw each other, we yeah. might have passed it passed it uh, passed it in person. And it it took us a full year to write it. Um, and there were thirty six stanzas altogether. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was so much fun. And it, it, the influence, I mean, it really develops community to collaborate with your fellow mm. writers. Or, and uh, and also, I feel like I'm always collaborating with mm. writers. I'm, as I said, I described CD's work and, you know, a, and HD's work. I mean, I, I feel like every time I write, I'm collaborating with other writers, with their mm. visions, with their, with their, with their thoughts. Mm. Um, so, 
writing is a collaborative process, Absolutely. sometimes more than others. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I've, I've often uh, uh, seen when people are writing prose and people are writing long form textbooks, etc. Collaboration is possible. But uh, I was trying to understand how a poet would collaborate because poetry is so, so, so personal. But you've given mm -hmm. me a great example. My next question, Martin, is how do you think your writing has evolved over the years? Well, uh, the themes of my writing have remained strangely consistent. Okay. Um, yeah, questions of identity um, and myth and the collective unconscious have always fascinated me. Mm. And uh, in 2015, I had a collection published called This Amazing Cage of Light, New and Selected. And so I was putting together my selected book and I saw how these questions were arising throughout my entire career. Mm -hmm. um, but I don't believe these poems, uh, the poems or the theme becomes tired because my approaches are always different and they're always different because I'm evolving as a person mm -hmm. um, and my style then evolves also. So mm -hmm. my later work allows for more air and space than my earlier work. And also there's more humor in the language, mm. uh, I see how important humor is in terms of reaching people. Mm. And I believe my poems have become more personal as I've become more confident. Mm. Amazing. And uh, I'd love to understand your perspective on the role poetry plays in today's society. Right. Um, well, poetry takes so many different forms. And so when thinking about that question, um, I can, you know, consider poetry as like rap music or popular mm -hmm. um, lyrics. Um, but if you're referring to, let's say, the type of book that I write or my mm -hmm. friends or colleagues write, I feel like this poetry is on the margins of society. Um, you can find it if you want to. It's there. It's everywhere. I mean, on your show, mm -hmm. you invite so many poets. It's not hard to find poets. Mm -hmm. um, but you have to look for it. And the role um, that this poetry plays is that it helps us reflect and connect mm -hmm. to ourselves and right. to each other because you're hearing the poem in your mind and connecting to it. So you're connecting with you and with other people. Mm -hmm. And also, it can also have, of course, a social role, which historically it has uh, um, this winter. Um, uh, in New York City, the poet Ruth Dannon, who I know is on your show, mm -hmm. and uh, Andrew Levi, uh, the three of us are, um, have co-collaborated with organizing a poetry reading called mm -hmm. uh, Poetry Reading in Response to Antisemitism. Mm -hmm. And there will be a diverse group of poets who will ad address discrimination and hate and racism. So poetry can have both a social voice and a personal voice, or it could be mute. It could have no voice if you don't listen for it. But if you listen, it's there. It's there all the time. Great response. Thank you. Uh, one more question before I move to your book. Uh, how do you balance your own personal life with your writing career? Well, this is a that's an interesting question. <laughs> balance. Um, I would say that it's really the balance is three pronged: mm -hmm. uh, personal livelihood and writing. Um, so balancing my writing career and my livelihood, having time for 
personal life outside of the two is extremely challenging for me. Mm-hmm. But my husband, James Graham, is an artist, and he actually um, created the art for the cover of my most recent book. Wow, okay. And, yeah, and um, and so we're both independent and yet supportive of one another. And so I'm very grateful for that. Mm. Um, And uh, I've been a a college educator and a book editor, as I've said, but presently I teach middle school students Mm. in a public school in New York City. And so that is very time consuming in order to give my students what they need and also what the institution requires of me. Um, But I have uh, been a writer for many years and it's my passion and it's always in my purview. So when I'm not writing, the work is incubating and I have the summers off as a teacher. And so I've been writing a lot the last two months Mm -hmm. and I realize how precious time is. And I think that poets realize that because our work generally, uh, our our poetry uh, doesn't generally generate very much money. It's usually through teaching or grants. Um, So yeah, we have to really be careful that we have the time for all the aspects of our life. And that is the challenge. Absolutely. (laughs) I agree with you completely. I'm not a poet, but as an author, I I completely understand what you're saying. So let me now move to your book, uh, Martina, Anatomy of Curiosity. Tell me about your book, Okay, so an anatomy of curiosity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I'm very, very excited about this book. Mm-hmm. It was just published. Mm-hmm. And when I was working on this book, I was involved in Buddhist koan study. Mm-hmm. And koans are riddles or conundrums yeah. in Zen practice that the meditator focuses on. Mm-hmm. And koans are used to help one bust out of dualistic thinking. Mm-hmm. So language itself can't help but construct this type of thinking Mm -hmm. and the experiential is free from the uh is free from this type of thinking Mm -hmm. so in this book in the poems i'm trying to use the koans or i'm using the koans in order to somehow somehow um verbalize Mm -hmm. this liminal area Mm -hmm. um so poetry in itself, I think, attempts to do that as right. much as it can. Mm. And surrealism and the unconscious are on the skin of these poems <laughs> as I explore the everyday through the lenses of dream, myth, fairy tale, mm. which are the culturally shared containers of that are, are culturally shared containers. Mm. Yeah. Great response. And I'm going to ask you to recite a few lines or a part of a poem from your book for our viewers and listeners. Okay, I will read a part of a poem called The Other Cat. Mm -hmm. And uh, this, I'll just read the first four four, um, very short stanzas. And uh, the first line of this poem was um, written by the poet, the French poet, Arthur Rimbaud, to a teacher of his. Mm. Um, so much worse for the wood mm. that finds it's a violin. Mm-hmm. So much worse for the blue jay heart that mm. beats beside frog hearts and skunk hearts and beaver hearts and five adjoined 
earthworm hearts and find that together the hearts are the mountain heart, which sings to the wavy hair on mountains scalp, mm. flying through tangled currents of air. Mm. Beautiful. Um, so much worse for the rabbit hide that find that finds its bearing a book of psalms. Mm. And I'll stop with this one. So much worse for Daphne who trips on her rhizome of a tail which alters like tensile light across mm. time, mm. though endures forever a single stitched plot. Beautiful. Lovely. Yeah. I'm going to ask all our viewers and listeners to check out Martin Bellin's book, An Anatomy of Curiosity. I'm going to check it out myself. And my last question to you, Martin, and this is for the many people who will listen to our conversation a lot of them may be aspiring authors as well. What would you say are three lessons you would want aspiring authors or poets to take back from your own journey? Okay. Um, well, poetry allows us to enjoy our language, mm -hmm. not just use it, but mm -hmm. to get pleasure from it. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and if poetry isn't in your life today mm. you can do something about it you can right. listen to your podcast go to the library buy a book mm. go to youtube poetry readings it's alive and well in the margins of society mm. and when you have a drive or deep connection to something honor it and make it a central part of your life mm. amazing thank you and on that note martin uh, and you know your amazing comments on poetry. Um, I think I learned many new things from you about the way you write, about uh, uh, poetry in general. Um, you said a few times about how poetry exists in the margins of the literary world of society. And I'm sure a lot of our viewers and listeners will probably pick up that comment and go and check out poetry. Thank you so much for speaking to me about your book, An Anatomy of Curiosity. Thank you also for reading out a few lines uh, from your book. Thank you for speaking to me and good luck. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to The Brand Called You videocast and podcast, a platform that brings you knowledge, experience and wisdom of hundreds of successful individuals from around the world. Do visit our website www.tbcy.in to watch and listen to the stories of many more individuals. You can also follow us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Just search for the brand called you.